0: When we were thinking about a job, I kind of approached it as how can I make this like a concert pre-sale because there's exclusivity around it. So everyone that was in the lead list got notified, the pre-sale is starting next Tuesday. You're going to get a password next Tuesday in your inbox. We kind of released the designs on that Friday. People were able to see the designs and they could like decide, okay, I want this boy specifically. And then on a Tuesday, they got their passwords and we locked the site for three days. For three days, the only way you could go on the website with the password that you got In the last hour, we saw a ton of sales coming in because people were like, what's going to happen after? They do not know what's going to happen. And what's certain is that they have the password now and that they can buy. It just made it feel premium, you know?
1: Hello and welcome to All Killer No Filler. It is Friday again, and this is Eric Dick coming at you uh, semi-live here from Victoria, British Columbia, and today we have uh, a quite a, a, an awesome guest panel, including Jules and George from Maddle Paddleboards, which is just really fun to say, uh, as well as John from the Pilot House Media Buying Team. Welcome to the podcast today, Jules and George. Can you start just a little bit with the story of Maddle? How did Maddle come to be?
0: yes thank you uh, eric thank you for inviting us on the podcast today um so model was created last year because we have a couple of companies in the sporting goods verticals and we were looking at different spaces to expand and we we kind of saw an opportunity in that area specifically because um as you could imagine with, with COVID, there was a, a big surge of people getting interested with outdoor sports um so you could see like camping gear being sold out tennis gear golf gear and as myself, somebody that loves the outdoors, I, I felt like that was a, a niche that I wanted to go into, and uh, and we kind of explored, you know, what was being done in the niche, and we realized that no one was actually focusing on the lifestyle aspect of it. So every other competitors that we analyzed were all about the board features, you know, the length, the width, the the weight, the materials, but no one was actually talking about, you know, what you could get from having a nice paddleboarding experience, and we kind of dug in and we started looking at how can we create an experience around the product that would resonate with a large amount of people that uh, would be based around the lifestyle, you know, because it's such a nice angle to take for this product specifically because, you know, you kind of blend in the scenery with, you know, having a good day with your friends. So it's like very good for content, but no one was angling it with that. So we kind of went on the drawing board for a bit. And then what we also realized is that if you look at like skateboarding, snowboarding, uh, surfing, all of these boards have a lot of culture and, and history around them and they actually kind of changed the way people are, are dressed nowadays and the music and everything around them. And they've been, they've been really impactful in the culture uh, that we see throughout the world. And when we looked at paddleboarding, it was kind of like the forgotten cousin that never got that special treatment. And we're like, why don't we give that cousin the, the makeover treatment add in arts, fun, and try to like bring it back to speed with the other boards. That's kind of where we kind of started thinking about the angle that we wanted to take with model and where we kind of worked on product design, adding artists and everything. And then we kind of created that and we launched um, in May of last year. We kind of like announced and kind of started pre-ordering and it was super successful. We sold out uh, like three times during the last summer. We couldn't keep up with demand. And that was only in Canada, actually. So now we're, we're back this year uh, with our pre-launch that we just did that was super successful. And I think we'll go over that in a couple of minutes, I think. Um, so that's kind of how it came to be. And it, there, there was a lot of things in there that made it super challenging with you know, the logistics, suppliers, everything around that, that you know, as you can imagine, most D2C brands would, would face. But it's, it's been stressful, but it's super uh, enriching at the same time.
1: I love that angle of of really digging into the lifestyle of, of a paddleboard because it really is such a – you see people out on the water. You know, I live in Victoria. Everyone paddleboards here. I actually just bought a paddleboard, not a model, unfortunately, but uh, about a month ago. and I haven't used it yet, but it's I've done it a few times. I love it, but I, I love the idea of it so much, which makes it such a good fit for that lifestyle sort of piece. So what steps did you take to really own that side of things in a way that other paddleboard companies haven't been able to?
0: So I think uh... – one of the big steps that we took was to kind of look at, you know, what's being done on Instagram at the moment in the fashion industry. And we kind of analyzed, you know, a lot of fashion retailers. We looked at what was trending. We looked at the colors that they were using, and we kind of created a product that was really based around being hype, you know? So we we kind of took all those retailers, we listed them down, like 15 retailers. We looked at what was being done in the collections we kind of analyzed every colors that were being used and then we kind of mapped out what was actually hype at the moment and then we created that with the paddle boards. And then we added different types of arts that would appeal to different audiences in there as well. So we kind of mixed that and we also created, I think, a very nice product design that was that would be super good with any sorts of uh, color matching because we always have like the main color and the accent color and we can kind of like, it's like color blocks, right? Super. Good and fun to see, and we kind of can recreate the product indefinitely in different settings, with different aesthetics, and it's always going to work because we have a formula. So we we created that formula last year, and 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 that product design really helped us create a, a strong aesthetic for the brand that would work well with a lifestyle angle. And I, I guess the rest would just be how we created the communication around the brand, the tone, the fun, the, the fun aspect to it, and. Um, how we also approach you know medias and influencers and all of that it just turned out to be super good and i wouldn't say that everything was planned out i would be lying if i said that but everything worked out and it's it's going well so
2: exactly if i can add eric to that is that uh, you know earlier when we talked about like like skate and surf like that kind of angle but for them what they add like is if they wanted to have like a personality around it it they had like athlete for that you know for skates they had tony Hawk, for surf they have i don't know any surfer but like for paddleboard yeah okay thank you but you know for paddleboard we don't really have that so who are our rock star that's why like going with the lifestyle aspect of it it's really it's really good we i don't we think we have a really good product of our time you know like in influencer era i mean like it's just a good product at the right time, and we're really happy about it. And we're working that angle. And, and such—it's such
1: amazing surface area. It's literally like it's so big. The fact that you wouldn't be using it for art, you know, just doesn't make sense. People have these in their homes, uh, you know. And so I think I think it's just a really great opportunity to kind of use that space in a way that like call brings in users.
0: Yeah, that that's that was the kind of a one one angle that our creative director used last year was like. This is a canvas. it's like a big place where we can, we should be painting art, and you know nothing's being done. It's actually you know ten to eleven feet twenty two inches wide like there's a big, big place here to do something nice, and no one's been looking at this at it with this angle, and then you know we kind of brought this in and George, to your point, I think like you said, it's kind of like a product where the hero is actually the person, so we we tried also to be more inclusive with our approach. uh we kind of looked at what people were doing, and it was always you know maybe because paddleboarding is kind of expensive traditionally, but like everybody was communicating the same way with like all the white people like, a bit, like, that looked a bit like fake and rich doing their thing. And it was, it wasn't feeling authentic in their approach. Cause like America, I'm seeing America cause we're in America right now, but like, that's not what this is. You know, like there's anyone can enjoy paddle boarding. It doesn't have to be about, you know, race or sex, whatever. So we were like, this is a sports that should be enjoyed by everyone. All the the fun sides to it should be enjoyed by everyone, and we added that in the communication. And really, like the the per- the, the stuff that we use in our communication is not actually like uh, you know stars or like models. It's actually the people. You know, like that's why I think it's being it's been so successful so far is putting the user as the centerpiece of our communication and really pushing that forward. And, Like people aspire to be that person when they look at our communication and they kind of want, it creates kind of fear of missing out and we kind of just keep, it's like a beneficial circle. Like we promote that, they send us UGC and it's just super fun to like activate that that niche.
1: I love the design. I'm on the site right now. The red is so striking. I love the uh, the rounded sort of serif font that you're using, which probably like doesn't scream active in a way that you know like ocean pacific or like some of these other brands that you might go against that were made in the 80s and 90s kind of thing so you, you really have that like updated kind of hipster appeal with the with with everything about the, the brand
0: which is awesome exactly it's about you know having a good time and relaxing like if you're looking for a board that's going to be extremely you know capable and you're going to pay more and it's, it's not about that for us it's about everything else but that it's very good for the price but we don't want the user to be inspired by by the specs more than the the lifestyle that comes with it
1: it's entry level too right it's that you know you can go all the way up to a to a i don't know a titanium board i don't even know but but you know like but 90% of people are going to be buying an entry level board when they enter the space to even see if they like it right exactly
2: and also like most of our competitor they themselves with like different sizes of boards and stuff like that to like appeal to like or if you're an athlete and you need like the the spec, this is the board for you and stuff like that. But for us it was really about making sure that we have like a, a all around board that will work with almost like ninety percent of the people and it's just like the difference is not on the board, it's about the canvas and the designs and all that. So that's that's the angle we work and that's a, it's and it, we don't we didn't do that because like we oh, yeah, we think that will work. It's just like, no, that's the end goal that we want. Like, if I wanted to buy a paddleboard, like, honestly, I don't want to go on a website and be like, whoa, what do I do? Just like, oh, this one is pretty. And just take it, you know? Like, I trust the company that they did the work of, like, this is an all-around that will work for, like, most cases. And then, boom, a good design.
1: I love it. Between Montreal Weights, which is another company that that you guys run, and Madel, you love launching... Big heavy products with solid AOV, which I guess is two sides of of that discussion. Are there any downsides to 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 sort of focusing on uh, products that are that are so large and uh, you know materials intensive even?
0: Yeah, um, like you said, I think initially the, we have our other company Montreal Ways, which is based around you know a DUC home gym um, distributor in Canada, um, and, and the reason we kind of launched Model as well as a complementary business is because. We wanted to have activity year-long, so the high seasons counterbalance each other. Um, of course, for us, it was kind of natural to go into the paddle boards because, like you said, the AOV is similar. Um, and so, in terms of like our approach to like Facebook influencers, things like that, um, you know, even if our CPA can be like hundred dollars, you know, the return on ad spend is still going to be ex- excellent because the product has such a high value. So I think it can be a bit more forgiving. Um, if your your marketing is not maybe optimized because you're getting so much money out of a few transactions, and and it's not about getting that much people on the website, it's more about creating high quality leads that are going to purchase. Um, and so for us, so so far, and, and we also have another brand in this in the gym space as well, and it's worked out well so far for us. And I feel like that's kind of our thing, you know, like high AOV, hard to ship products. Um, gym equipment is another story. I would say where you know you're shipping like. Pallets and like super heavy stuff to like remote areas. It's it's a lot harder like for me when I when we work with the paddle boards It's like ha ah, so easy like one box like it's it's oversized for some distributors, but it's like ha ah, fun 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 No, no problems for us with that
1: <laughs> who, who buys more men or women or is it about even
0: um, for us? It's about 80% women for for model. I would say last year um, The collection was less balanced. So we had more pink more a more feminine approach to it, this year it's a bit more balanced. So I think, you know, we haven't spoken about the launch yet, but because we launched with an existing audience, since the launch is still 80% women. But I think once it's purely based on creating new leads and traffic, it should even out a bit more. But I think overall our brand is feminine and I I think it works so well with the lifestyle angle. Um, I, I wouldn't change anything about that. Very cool, yeah. Well,
1: we've teased the launch enough here. You guys had a really successful launch with this product. Uh, can you break it down? What were the the most important key aspects of this launch to make it successful? And what can you say about how successful it was? You don't have, you don't have to give specific numbers, but what can you say about how successful it was?
0: Yeah, uh, let's say last year we sold a specific amount of products, you know, over four months, and this year with the launch we did about fifteen percent of that in four days, and you know it's it's a very successful first step. And the difference is this year we're not even high season when we're launching. We're like pre-season, pre-order even. So that's not even, I, I I wish it was on in stock because the results would have been like mind-blowing. But uh, anyways, it, we're very very satisfied with the results. So the way we kind of approached it was there were like three different elements. Uh, first element was re-engaging our, our past customers because George, I don't know how many, what's the percentage of repeat purchase we got on the launch. But a lot of people purchased a second paddleboard and we kind of warmed them up for a couple of weeks just to get to the idea of buying something else
2: yeah at the top of my head i think it's like 20 percent around so bought a second yes and it's a, it's a paddleboard
1: like it's you yeah. <laughs> for the fa- other family members i guess you, you make the other family members
0: jealous when you're out there on the water looking so good exactly and we we, we wouldn't have imagined because that in my head it's like i buy this once in three years I might buy another one, but somehow like 20% of the people that pre-launched were past users. And I think a lot of that was like warming them up properly with email and SMS about something coming up. Um, the other aspect that we did is we did a, a contest, a giveaway where we we were giving away um, a, a trip for two people to Costa Rica for paddle boarding for a week with like a lot of activities like rafting and, and super fun stuff and you know, we ran that for about a month to get people opted in on a kind of a lead gen platform with like viral aspects. So if people refer their friends to increase their chances and we got, I think like 12,000 people signed up on that. Um, and awesome. if you think about you it like- Viral Loops? Uh, it Did was use Viral Loops or another one? Kickoff Labs. Okay. Yeah, so we, we, in, within Kickoff Labs, we can design our, our, our full funnel ourselves and like it's, it's super cool. And then you have automated messages that are sent to the the people in the contest to kind of bump them, like say, hey, you referred one friend yesterday, just to like entice them to keep pushing. And and so we did that for for a first form of of lead gen. And then the second form was about, you know, using the the fact that we sold out last year and that we had new designs coming up, we created a a communication strategy where we were kind of teasing things on the paid side and we were driving people to a landing page that we did with all of our UGC reviews and whatnot, it was just basically saying, sign up to access the collection before everyone else and you're gonna get an offer. And then we, we got maybe 2000 high quality leads with that. And uh, if you combine all of that with social media, which kind of dripped, you know, colors, collections, like just a bit of, of stuff before, um, I think we probably got like, I don't know, 14,000 new leads plus the old customer base. We already had like 15,000 emails. So combine all of that with an AOV of like $700, you can imagine that the results can be pretty interesting fast. And we had, I think, at lunch, it was a bit um, stressful because we had like a technical problem and we had like 200 people waiting to go on the website and we're like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Like, we, people couldn't check out and we're just trying to figure, figure it out. And like, at 15 minutes after, we fixed the website, released the password to everyone and then we just opened the floodgates. It, w- it was like kind of a concert on sale, you know, like people just jumping on and like, trying to buy whatever was going to sell out first. And it was just super exhilarating and scary at, at the same time, but I would definitely redo it overall. Like, um, the drop thing is definitely something that's very viable for brands.
1: And did you coincide the drop with the contest results? So they were sort of around kind of coinciding at the same time?
0: Yeah. So the contest was like from March 5th to late like 21st. And then as soon as we ended, we started in the announced email. We forced people to look at their email Within the announcements, there was already stuff like warming people up about her company. And then we kind of did, a I don't know, four campaigns to warm them up about the new launch. And then we gave them password. And then they kind of got in and they felt like they had value even if they lost the contest for everyone except one person. And we kind of did that. with different angles with so the three different um, segments that we had that, that worked out super well.
1: I'm always interested in contests because whenever you incentivize a lead, it's going to go down in quality a little bit. It always helps when your prize is something so it filters out people that really want, uh, not only do they want a paddleboard, they want to go on a vacation that's paddleboard centric How did the contest leads work out versus the VIP early access leads in terms of conversion rate?
2: For uh, the contest and the VIP, the VIP was uh, like, I think I had a much higher conversion rate and was just that because that list was like so warm like they they didn't sign up to win something they signed up in order to like to be the first so I would say that like the highest qualified lead were on the on the v i p but the contest like really helped, and we noticed that there was like a big uh, overlap between some people that were coming from the contest, and then because the contest ended, they went on our website and saw that we were on pre-sale, and we were able to see that like I think it was like ten percent of the people that like was like oh I came from the contest and the VIP and made a purchase. So like there was it was really interesting to see, but I would say that the VIP was like a highest conversion rate than the the contest, but the contest was like just it was really important for us because. We, it was really important for us to be in the US this year and be really present, and for us to have our name the name of our brand like growing around was really good for us. Even though it didn't create generate purchase right now, it was really valuable for us. And the US is really competitive, and it's it's an ongoing battle for sure.
1: So the first party launch was focused like previously was focused more on Canada, and this launch has opened things up to the US. If I understand it, yeah, that's exciting. And it's gone, the US launch has gone well, and it's just sky's the limit at this point, I guess, right? Exactly,
0: it's it's, it's definitely a different jungle. Like I feel, when I was younger, I was thinking as an entrepreneur, like I wish I was in the US, like fuck man, it's such a big market that I could make so much money. And then we realized, you know what? Canada is actually easier because you have less people offering something of a higher quality, there's less competition. So you can get away with less in Canada, or if you do things right, like we do in our case, everything just works out all the time and i would even put it to the extreme in quebec it's like canada but even harder to get in because you need to speak french obviously for us it's like natural uh, it creates pain when you think about like website translations always bilingual communication like always duplicating all the emails but like no one that's super good is in quebec like i'm not i'm exaggerating there's good people but like there's gonna be less people offering a high quality experience for buyers online in Canada and even more in Quebec. So that's been our kind of our, our, I don't know, like our our asset so far. And then this year we're like, we want to launch in the US and we started doing that. And it's gonna be a really good learning experience to like start investing more. Because I'll be honest with you, last year we kind of started doing the US and we didn't put that much love into it because the cost per acquisition in Canada was like four times lower. And we're like, why would I, so what would I spend cash in the U S when I, I ended my season at the row as of like 17 in Canada sold out, you know? So it's like, we just decided to focus on Canada, but this year, you know, because of the long-term expansion and the plans, we definitely need to be in the U S and we're looking at other markets as well. We want to like, even if we don't make as much money, we kind of want to sink in so that next year we can have better data about the quantity that we're going to bring in different markets and, and really scale more next year, even more. I love it. it.
1: Just you work out all the kinks in Canada, right? You get get your your advantages in the market, build up your reviews and your reputation and all that, and then tackle the U.S. It uh, it makes a ton of sense. John, on the uh, on the pilot house side, uh, when this uh, sort of account came in, what were what were kind of your first moves?
3: Uh, yeah, first moves were very much just building that that lead list. Um, so you know, the guys uh, over at Mattel had. A very thought out plan already like for you know us hopping on to the account so yeah just working in tandem and you know really assisting with uh what they had already planned was what was kind of our main our main focus here yeah i mean we obviously saw a ton of success like uh we, we kind of came at the tail end of of pushing the trip uh funnel but everything else was you know super successful obviously and obviously generating a lot of hype and, you know, teasing collection drops and uh, passwords and things like that, I think just played like really much into our favor. And yeah, I mean, definitely some some interesting learnings.
1: Let's talk about the password. This is just something we haven't talked about before. This is just an, an added layer of of how you do the contest, basically, where, explain to me how the, how the password works.
0: I'm going to stick a step back. I used to work in the concert industry. I've done marketing campaigns for festivals and concerts for hundreds of them and when we were thinking about a drop I kind of approached it as how can I make this like like a concert pre-sale because it kind of creates hype because there's exclusivity around it so we that's how we kind of approached it so everyone that was in the lead list got notified you know the pre-sale is starting you know next Tuesday Um, and then you're gonna get a password next Tuesday in your inbox we kind of released the designs on that Friday people were able to see the designs and they could like decide, okay, I want this board specifically. And then on a Tuesday, they got their passwords and we locked the site for, for three days-ish. Or I don't know, I got mixed up with my days, but something like that. So essentially for three days, the only way you could go on the website, it was fully blocked with the password that you got. So it kind of helps people feel special because only them can go inside and they're like, how many units are actually available I have a password, I need to act now because I don't know what's happening by the end of it. And what we actually saw is obviously people waiting to go on there well, until they got their passwords initially. But on the last day, before we actually re- we dropped the password page from the website at 11 a.m., in the last hour, we saw a ton of sales coming in because people were like, what, what's, hap- what's going to happen after? They don't know what's going to happen. There's like unknown. And what's certain is that they have the password now and that they can buy. And we saw a lot of sales coming in last hour. And then what happened is just the password page got removed and they could buy again. But just that thing about being blocked and creating sort of a special aspect just made it so different. And we also had the internal discussion about doing a magic link and like making people not take that extra step, but it felt more special for people to enter the password. Just the process of doing that makes it different. And we actually got a lot of people contacting us during the, the, the pre-sale, like, can I get the password? Like, what's happening? Like, I, I want to see what's happening. And we're like, oh yes, we'll do a favor to you. And then we send in the password and it just made it feel premium, you know?
1: I gotta say, it takes some uh, stones, some cojones, uh to actually like lock a site down. And I think it's something that a lot of e- e-commerce entrepreneurs like struggle with a little bit is like having real scarcity versus saying you have scarcity. So to actually sort of block the purchase for that period, like. I think I think you have to have a lot of confidence in your product. You have a, you have to have a lot of confidence in your product market fit in your sort of overall marketing plan to act on real scarcity. And then when you're able to do that, it works ten times better than fake scarcity, right? And I guess with your product being a supply chain challenge, sometimes like when you do you know high volumes, you'll always have that sort of scarcity aspect that's real.
0: I mean, for us, the, the big scarcity aspect definitely came in when you look at the the way we approach the product, like we have 30 different designs for the same product. So eventually I already see with the velocity of some colors that some of them are going to sell out first, you know, and last year it was like that. Like after three weeks, we sold out of the best queues and it's going to happen again. We try to communicate that to the people. Like last year we sold out, like it's very real. It's going to happen again. And if you don't want to wait until the next batch, which is going to arrive, I don't know when, with everything that's happening in China at the moment, uh, you need to act now, you know. Obviously I can't say all of that this way, but it's real that if you don't buy now, you're going to get left in the dust. And just your point about, you know, the, the challenges in terms of logistics, like even now in China, um, there were, there's lockdowns at, happening at the moment with the government where they just arbitrarily shut down the full cities or factories where, you know, basically for us, they shut down our, an area of a city where a factory was in. So for three weeks, 10 days before it was supposed to be ended, we couldn't, keep doing production. And so that's happened in two of our factories because all, all of our goods, all the accessories are, are made, getting manufactured at different places. And so what happens now is that we have our timeline it's a seasonal product, so we have to figure something out to move the freight out of China super fast. So what we're actually doing this year, like we did last year, <laughs> um, we're actually, even if we're in Canada, we're shipping from Ningbo or Shanghai directly to LA with an express vessel line that's, more premium, it's much more expensive. And then we're trucking from LA to Montreal or Toronto to our warehouse. And then we're paying duties in the US for asking them back in a year, just so we can get them on time for the season. And it's gonna, have, it's gonna work, but it's just a lot of like puzzle pieces just so we get the products here on time. Um, I, if it wasn't for that lockdown, we would have been okay with regular shipping lines, but you know, we have to adapt and I, I'm sure a lot of different. <laughs> retailers are are living the same thing. But for us, there is no other way we have to like make it happen. And we always find a way. That's like one of our- And
1: luckily your AOV supports it.
0: Right. Exactly. For me, like the extra $15 to do this whole thing is actually, I can absorb that, whereas for some other products, it's definitely not feasible for sure. Shanghai is just crazy right now. I see I see
1: those things coming out of Shanghai, and I'm just like, oh God, don't not again. Let's let's it's it's crazy there. We won't get into it. That's not what this podcast is for. John, uh, we'll talk about it later tonight over Beer John. That's a but, different uh, podcast. <laughs> that's a different podcast. My other podcast I don't tell anyone about. But um let's talk about the ads for a second. Like what in terms of creative is I imagine it's just the, the, the all of these images are so cinematic, the design is so good, but just nitty gritty, what what uh, sort of creative array is working the best?
3: Yeah. Good question. Um, I mean, just like you mentioned, because the products are so, you know, so nice to look at, so aesthetic, all those things, uh, carousels seem to do the best. I think it was, you know, before last year, it was also their top performing ads, but people just like to kind of thumb through and check out all the different, you know, different styles, different like artwork and colors, things like that, um, that I think the, the carousel just like perfectly uh, you know, captures that for, for most people. But we're, we're getting into some new stuff. You know, we're testing kind of fun graphics, GIFs. Uh, UGC is definitely something we we, we want to tackle this year. Um, we ran some like early tests. And yeah, just like the, the click costs on, on UGC is incredibly low for the account. So tons of like tons of stuff we still want to test. You know, we're only like Two weeks past, uh, I think the pre-sale launch. So, yeah, definitely a lot to get into. But yeah, so far carousels are just yeah killing it.
1: Anytime you can put UGC people in bathing suits, I I imagine it also boosts the effectiveness of the UGC. Yes.
3: Yeah, yeah, you
1: could say that. You know, guys in speedos, you know, girls in. I yeah. did see a guy in speedo. <laughs> That's very <laughs>
3: yeah. One of Who our best. All that extra fabric? One of our best. Is it? <laughs> it was doing pretty well for sure.
0: I was like looking at the results of the campaign you guys did to test, you know, the best click-through rates for for these, and I was like, okay, all the professional stuff at the top, UGC, and then people in bikinis or like small swimming suits at the bottom, like lowest cost. My I'm actually wondering once we, you know, get to like optimizing for for purchases with that, like maybe they're gonna generate more clicks, but that might not be qualified traffic. I, I mean, I don't know, but that's just my first. uh my first impression we'll see yeah
3: it's a fair point and that can definitely be the case for sure so you know we'll see i mean before we were just running traffic campaigns um but yeah with an actual like purchase
0: intent could be a different story
1: What are you guys going to tackle tiktok are you already running tiktok ads tiktok organic or is that coming up
0: we're uh we're talking with, with you guys uh, to start tiktok but i think just because of the sheer demand of content we're going to start You know when we actually get a lot of ugc submissions from people and it's just like super easy for us to create content so i think it's just time is of the essence like probably in june we'll be out there and we'll look at doing organic we already have some influencer partnerships locked down for tiktok um and you know we definitely want to use that for paid as well but it's we haven't done it for any of our brands so this year it's like this feels like the perfect product to try on tiktok as again looks good um the scenery everything is just it just makes sense it's a good product.
1: You guys are going to have to come out west uh, just because we've got – I know you guys have wonderful lakes and rivers uh, there in Montreal, but uh, out here on the glassy ocean, it, it, it can be quite nice. I, I ran into a sea lion the other day. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, I, I was actually out with my dog last night, and, this, and a seal was trying to, like, goad my dog into the water. and So I was like – so it has its downsides potentially as well, but <laughs> – uh, once I'm out there on the paddleboard, look out, sea lions! I'm not going to take any of your crap. I, I just wanted to ask George and Julian what uh, what's your roles in the company like? How do you guys break the division of labor? You both seem to be very marketing focused or e-commerce focused. I was kind of looking at your your LinkedIn previously. How, how do you break down the roles in your in your companies?
0: Perfect question. Actually, like I'm the founder. I have multiple hats to wear, but George is a good friend of mine, and I, I reached out to him a couple of months back because I wanted someone to really come in and take over that e-commerce side because. I love it i love marketing i'm a marketing guy first but i can't be doing that all the time so right now george is is coming in and really helping me focus on on other things but we always have good discussions on the weekends about data i I text him because i have more time i look at the accounts i'm like Look at that fucking click-through rate right on this ad, like, and then yeah, <laughs> it's always going to happen. We're both nerds on data; we love yeah. it.
1: <laughs> it's a, it's a good fit. That's so cool. When products are flying off the shelf and you're getting those Shopify notifications,
2: it's just fun as hell. Exactly, but also like our products are so, like you said, it's Iov and like it's, like it's, it's not a product that would have gonna ton of, a ton of it. So like there's we need to get a lot of data and to like get the knowledge and take decision. It's really fun to discover that. Like for, for right now, it's really fun to like get to know like what works right now that we are in pre-sale. But when we're going to be in stock and like the product will be like, Oh, you buy it right now in two days, it will be at your doorstep two days, three days, five days. I I want to get a number right here, but like, it's going to be a different story. And so for us, it's like, we need to understand like all of these different scenarios in order to like, all right. Well, we have a container coming in, but it will not be in Montreal right now. So we'll be in pre-order. Good. We have a playbook for pre-order. Boom. We have a playbook for in-stock and for all the different product, all the stores, and I just love it. <laughs> yeah.
0: There's a lot of uh, strategy going on now, and I th- I love that about you know what's happening here at the moment. It's my my goal is to increase the amount of people that you know are working here in the marketing team because. There is so much stuff you can do in a house that, you know, is easier than relying on, on other people. And I'm not talking about agency specifically, but like just we're doing like surveying with the users right now internally. And we're like getting data and we're trying to understand our customers more. And it's like stuff that you don't always think about when you're just like converting and like getting people in, in the funnel. But like getting all of that data and acting on it makes the biggest difference, I think. And it's really something we are, we're trying to hone at the moment.
1: That's cool. Have you tried to cross-sell to any of your other uh, active companies, like to anyone from Montreal Weights? Have you tried to cross-sell paddleboards?
0: Uh, I haven't done that. I, I know that last year I, I did, when I was um, talking to customers, I, we did reference the fact, because they didn't trust us initially, you know, we had no reviews. So like, oh, we operate that other store with like, you know, 3,000 reviews, I've used it initially just to like kind of get a bit of trust as a as a company but we haven't done it yet. And it's something we, were, we joked about the other day. We're like, eventually when there's like the multiple different brands, we know that the customer persona is going to evolve in a different brands. And then, you know, eventually he's, the data says that he's gonna buy a paddleboard two years from here because he started in the fitness and whatever. We're, we're just joking around, but definitely something we want to work on eventually, for sure. So
1: you've got this product that when it gets in front of people, they resonate with it. They love it. They're going to find some color palette that speaks to them. They're, they're going to love the images of being out there. So you've got this great vehicle. What what else are you going to do, maybe even besides ads? Do you have any plans besides ads to uh, get the brand out there to more people, to get more visibility just on the brand so people start thinking about it in the paddleboarding space more, in the U.S. specifically?
0: Yeah, well, I think a big, a big aspect for us is definitely influencer marketing. And the nice thing is, we don't even ask for it like if you look at our instagram inbox right now like every day there's a new influencer coming in and like they want the board they're like it's just the perfect product because if you're an influencer and you're advertising your product to your audience you know it's going to feel less genuine but for us it's like we don't ask you to like post a fake photo with like your protein bag it's like post a photo of you having a good time that's what you want anyways and there's a nice scenery and there's a good looking product in it 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 doesn't even feel like an ad. So like, I feel like that's the big strong point that we have for, you know, influencer marketing is that they want it. They're like, this is the content that I want. I'm going to get that for free. So we really want to push that this year, like even more intensely. And other than that, you know, we're working on some PR, but like, we never know what we're going to get on that end. And also some, some events probably in Canada. Um, And we have some ideas around that, but you know, the, the bigger the brand gets, the more we have, we have as a budget for investing in experiential marketing and different things. Um, I don't know, George. If you had any idea of things that you want to add in there,
2: pretty much the same as you. Uh, we're working f- to do some activation uh, here in the Montreal. Like, uh, uh, the, there's a canal right next to our office, and we want to take some paddle there and just like talk to people in Montreal and just have that like, that social proof of like, hey, we're a business from Montreal. We're doing this thing internationally, but like, hey, we're we're proud to be from here and like, in like and engage with our community. If you send me a medal, I'll
1: start going out in the ocean with a microphone, and I'll paddle up to people and I'll ask them questions about their paddleboard. Just a, a vox pop. <laughs> yeah, hey, I think, listen. Then, I, I, I think my other ideas, you need, I, It may be too late. It may be too old for this, but that guy Nathan Apodaca, his name was Dogface, they called him. He did the Fleetwood Mac on the skateboard with the Ocean Spray Cranberry. I don't know if you know he was a, he was an influencer and he became famous for for lip syncing to Fleetwood Mac on a skateboard drinking cranberry juice. I think if you could get him on a paddleboard with Fleetwood Mac with uh, Ocean Spray, it might it might work well.
0: Okay, I'm gonna ask you for the name after. I'm gonna check it out because these are the kind of things that you know we can actually we do the paddleboard. We have a couple ideas for for content creators of concepts. It's just we have to activate that, but I'm sure like. You can do a lot of things on that. It's like a surface, you know, so it's kind of stable. You can do anything on a paddleboard and it's probably going to be fun and different. So imagine any TikTok trend on a paddleboard.
1: It reminds me of this saying, I don't. you guys may be too young for this, but it was uh, about how you, can, like, how you can be a true Canadian is if you can make love in a canoe. So maybe you can rephrase that. To be like, if you can make
2: love on a paddleboard, you are a true Canadian. That might get you some viral attention. i I'm just imagining like a campaign of just like people on paddleboard with like a t- in like just in the morning, like hey,
1: morning commute. I like it. There's there's. Endless potential here. <laughs> this is a question we normally ask uh, on, the, on the other side, on the D2C podcast, but I'm just curious, and you mentioned a bunch of really interesting things that you're thinking of in the next little while. If we were to give you $50,000, uh, Canadian, unfortunately, uh, to go uh, to your marketing budget directly, where would you put that uh, in, say, the next 30 days? If you had to use it in the
0: next 30 days, where would you use it? I would say at the moment, because of where we are in this season specifically, content creation. It's just going to make the biggest difference because we're kind of building that, you know, knowledge for the high season. Um, if you ask that to me in June, I would say more ad spend, more people on the, on the website, more traffic.
1: And then we have influencers, we have investors, we have uh, marketing companies, we have all sorts of people listening to this podcast. And I always like to ask the guests, like, if there's, if there's someone that you wish was listening to this podcast, like, that you guys need for your business, who is it? Is it big influencers? Like, who would you, wh- what would you want to manifest from this
0: podcast Uh, besides Ryan Reynolds coming on the podcast? (laughs) That's a really good question. Actually, I'm always open to any opportunities. So if anyone feels like they have something that would fit for us in any realms that you just mentioned, I would be up for it. But definitely my biggest issue is always capital, which I think is the biggest thing for a lot of entrepreneurs. It's like just with all the projects that we have at the moment where we have to like allocate cash flow to one business or the other business, we always have to like make choices. And I wish I wasn't, I didn't have to like make as many choices because then the velocity of the growth that we could have for the, the, the group of businesses that we have would be a lot higher and less stressful for sure. Um, and so far it's it's been working well. So I'm, if somebody's listening, I'm interested.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, uh, you should go, if you're listening, I bet there's a lot of people in our audience uh, that would love a metal board. So if you want that, you should go to metalboards.com or .ca uh, and check out the products. And if people want to get in touch with you guys, how do you recommend they do that? Good question. I guess on LinkedIn that could work. I don't really use LinkedIn, but it could be used for that reason. It's perfect for that reason. That's exactly what it was built for. I will make sure to uh, include your contact information in the write-up here. This was a lot of fun, guys. Thanks for coming on. And thanks for inviting thanks us. Thanks for inviting us. I'll have to. Oh, well, one last question. What's a better e comm city, Toronto or Montreal? <coughs> Montreal. <coughs> what? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, you knew the answer to that when you asked it.
1: And will the Leafs make it out of the first round this year? I don't know if you care, but I'm, I'm curious if they will.
0: I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm forced to say that I wish they don't make it past the first round. Yes, uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Just for all the Montreal people listening, I'm with you guys.
1: Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.